Robinson Meyer, a staff writer for The Atlantic, wrote a short article after meeting 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg in the wake of her stirring testimonials at this past week's United Nations General Assembly. She looks younger than her years, yet her speeches take a shaming, authoritative tone that is, at the very least, unusual for a child, Robinson Meyer writes. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood, she told world leaders at the United Nations today. She has also said that money and eternal economic growth are fairy tales. So she has inspired both public adoration and maligned theorizing, end quote. The harshest, most public criticism of this teenager has come from very powerful public adult men. Curious. And there is no way to know why exactly she has gotten under their skin, and I will not practice amateur psychosocial analysis of them in this reflection that appears to be a waste of time. But Greta, like prophets before her, are so, in the words of Candace Simpson, a friend of mine, so attuned to the present that they appear to tell the future. They are so attuned to the present that they appear to tell the future. And there is something so poetic about prophetic work that it can simultaneously disarm and enrage at the same time. Not unlike a long-awaited diagnosis after mysterious illness. And poetry, according to my friend Mark Oakley, puts language in a state of emergency. Poetry is not an easy running river. It is not a quick read. It is a fountain, a source from which meaning can be slowly, patiently drawn. Poetry is language that listens. There is no quick clarity, no seductive, easy answers, end quote. That is the disarming message we hear in the voice of the prophet Amos, who despairs over the socioeconomic state of things in his beloved nation. He pronounces doom on those resting comfortably in urban centers while those on the outskirts go without. And the disarming story we hear from Jesus about a man he names Lazarus and a wealthy man who remains unnamed disarms and enrages us all the same. The wealthy man sees Lazarus laden with open sores outside the gate of his home every day begging. And he does nothing to improve his material existence. And Lazarus dies, and so does the rich man, 
And Lazarus ends up at the side of Abraham, or in the old translations, in the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man ends up in torment. Yet according to Dr. Nancy Lynn Westfield, the rich man, quote, still feels entitled (laughs) to ask for service. Can you believe that? He still feels entitled to ask for service, care, and consideration from those of the lower class. He is expecting Lazarus to do his bidding even in death, even from Hades, even from the place of the dead. Even in Hades, Dr. Westfield says, the rich man wants the labor of the poor to support his family. Even from Hades, the rich man believes he has more privilege than Lazarus, who is in heaven. The storyteller helps us see the distorted values of society, the oppressive systems that keep these values in place, and the ironic ways Christians portend faithfulness, end quote. Not even death and the torment of apathy can change the rich man's posture toward those socially beneath him. Not even death. Which means if the rich man were watching television today, he'd most likely yell at the screen when Greta Thunberg says, you have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Because this time, this fragile earth, our island home, is Lazarus. And no amount of artful, disarming words, poetry, can change the minds of those who prefer denial to survival. Fading coral reefs and rising sea levels and scorching communities of color in major American cities are the open sores of our time. Not to mention a steady rise in white supremacist violence targeting black and brown people across this country. This earth This planet is the neglected body lying at the gate of the powerful, an embodied witness to what decades of aggressive commercialization and unrestrained capitalism can do in the face of collective inaction, apathy, and aggression. And yet, Greta stares us in the face. Lazarus stares us in the face. The earth stares us in the face, saying, what will you make of me, of my suffering, of my life? And we pray with everything in us for the will to feel and to act. Amen.